Welcome to the What's What Weekly Wrap-Up. A podcast where we focus exclusively on the features from WFUV's newsroom. I'm David Escobar. And I'm Shayna Walsh. Every Monday, we give you the FUV Sports Spotlight. It's where we feature stories from One on One, New York's longest-running Colin sports show. This week, Colin Lawhorn and Danny Scott talked to Fox Sports reporter Tom Rinaldi. What initially motivated you to pursue this type of work in the field? Um, Colin, I, and I'd say this to both you and to Danny, you guys are so far ahead and beyond of where I was when I was your age and at your chapter in, in my journey. I had no idea that I would do this. I, uh, I graduated. I started at Fordham. I went to Penn. I graduated from Penn. And I became a teacher, a high school teacher and a coach initially in Pittsburgh. And then I came back to the Bronx where I was a, a public high school teacher not too far from Fordham at 166th and, and Boston Road at Morris High School. And if you would have told me then that this would be the life and the shape of the life professionally that I had, I would have fallen over <laughs> in shock. So when I think of the steps that you guys are taking, all the experiences that you're banking, all the craft that you're developing, believe me, uh, you know, 10 minutes from now, you're going to be taking my spot. I don't even know if you're going to be able to answer this one, but who would you say is your favorite interview that you've ever gotten to do? Wow. I mean, that's a, that's a really tough question, but oftentimes guys, it, it is not necessarily the most famous or the most accomplished or the most celebrated. It is folks who are considered to be more obscure, purely from a profile point of view, who share their stories in ways that are so authentic and vulnerable and moving. And many times, I think those have been the echoes that have lasted the longest or that I still carry forward with me to this day. That was Colin Loughran and Danny Scott talking to Tom Rinaldi about his connections to Fordham and how it influenced his sports reporting career. Little Amal is a 12-foot-tall puppet representing a Syrian refugee girl. Over the past couple of weeks, all of New York became a stage for a theater production, and she was the star. Producers and directors created 55 storylines for Little Amal that parallel the struggles and experiences of asylum seekers trying to find a new home. WFUV's Nicoletta Papavasilakis has more on her journey. After touring the five boroughs of New York in September, Little Amal said goodbye this past weekend. Her journey, like most refugees and immigrants, began in the dark. After landing in John F. Kennedy Airport, Little Amal was lost in Astoria later that evening. Luckily, she had some help from Girl Scouts to light her way. Hundreds of children from across the metropolitan area gathered near Astoria Park, awaiting Little Amal's arrival. They brought handmade paper lanterns and bells to guide her through the night. At first, the girls were in awe at the sight of a larger-than-life puppet. But they greeted and embraced Little Amal with joy. One of the Girl Scouts there was Amira Ishmael. I'm a Girl Scout. I've been a Girl Scout for about 12 years. Uh, I started when I was five years old. Ishmael is an ambassador for Muslim Girl Scouts of Astoria. She's also proud of her Palestinian and Egyptian culture. For this reason, she was particularly excited when she heard Little Amal was coming to her community. I haven't seen a lot of diversity in TV and growing up and in like the news channels and everything like that. So just seeing 
you know, Girl Scout and Little Mall Walk and, you know, all these people, Girl Scouts, not Girl Scouts, family members, friends, supporters, everyone, um, they're really committed into building a space of inclusion and that's really special to me. Little Mall has touched several cultural neighborhoods in New York. Yasmani Arboleda is the city's creative producer for Little Mall Walk. He says that she represents all of the immigrants who've traveled here in search of a new life. There's all kinds of moments that really speak to the specificity of all of the kinds of people who live in New York and their stories. On her journey, Little Mall made piñatas in Corona Park with Mujeres en Movimiento. They're a local organization that support low-income mothers in Sayulita, Mexico. She also made a visit to Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, where she busted some moves with a Palestinian dance group. Arboleda says Little Mall has also made a personal impact in his life as a Colombian-American immigrant. At a young age, he had to flee his hometown because of violence. And when I think about my own journey as a child, having to come here, learn English, and make a way for myself, I think, oh my gosh, how beautiful that there's this little girl, this puppet that is moving through the world, inviting everyone to appreciate and respect those, li those lived experiences. He says Little Amal is a symbol of hope and empathy. Uh, it's not easy. I find if everybody understood that we're just trying to find a way home, a way to feel safe, be able to build a family and, and have a community of people, all of those are elements that everyone deserves. And so Little Amal is here to remind us of that. That was WFUV's Nicoletta Papavasilakis talking about Little Amal's walk that was in New York City last month. Banned Books Week is an annual event where the New York Public Library celebrates the freedom to read. This year, the library is honoring the works of Toni Morrison. A lot of her books have been banned throughout the country. WFUV's Christina Lulich spoke to the assistant director of the library Starvos Niarcos branch, Zena George, about Banned Books Week. Tell me a little bit more about Banned Books Week. So NYPL celebrates the legacy of banned books during September 18 to the 24th. It's the library, you know, trying to engage our audience, giving our patrons open access, allowing them to explore and, you know, seek their own knowledge on the materials that we carry in our collection. Why does New York Public Library find it important to provide access to these books that have been commonly banned? So the library provides access to guarantee that anyone can decide whether or not to, to, to take this material. <laughs> when you say the item is bad, it's a restriction, right? It's, it's like the first pearl of censorship, which doesn't sound too, you know, okay, at least not to me. Tell me a little bit more about some of the things New York Public Library is doing for Banned Books Week. Oh, yeah, we're having a fun time here at NYPL. The library is celebrating the legacy of renowned author, and also, she was an NYPL trustee, Toni Morrison, by providing unlimited digital access to her award-winning novels, Beloved and The Bluest Eye. Anyone can access this materials, well, started September 15th till October 31st. So we're going beyond Bad Book Week. So Toni Morrison was a writer who spoke out against censorship. What are your thoughts on her work that's now being censored? There Great reads. Her novels explore difficult topics. Racism, violence, abuse, sexuality, those are heavy hitters. It also kind of gives you the, 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 the platform to critical thinking, analyzing, exploring what other areas you should be of interest to the individual rather than just restricting and censoring their access to it. Toni Morrison does have some great works, and they do touch on heavy topics. But why do you feel that these heavy topics are being banned, whether it be from schools or from colleges? 
Well, I mean, they're not soft topics, Christina. Racism is a heavy one for people to handle. Some can do it and some cannot. But I think restricting and banning it is not the approach to do that. I'm hoping that folks who are interested in banning books really explore why they want the book banned. Um, Just saying that because it's racial and sexual abuse, these topics are not unknown. They're not just found in books. They're found in other material. What would you say to someone who's in support of banning these books? Someone who says, no, I do think we shouldn't discuss these hard topics, whether it be in the classroom or on our free time. NYPL offers these books for free. We don't charge anyone to get access to them, access these materials online. Books are rich. They, they're pieces of literature that challenge our worldview and our you know, one-sided thinking. And we live in a world there's so many different identities and cultures, and we need to learn and explore and understand and embrace those. Having different perspectives should not be something that should be censored. If anything, we should all be able to come to the table and have an open and honest conversation so that we can all reach to a platform of transparency and honesty. That was WFUV's Christina Lulich in conversation with Zena George about the impact of Banned Books Week in New York City. Every month, we give you an episode from Fordham Conversations. This week, I sat down with Ron Goldberg, an early organizer with ACT UP New York. We discussed Goldberg's new memoir, Boy with a Bullhorn. Could you just give the listeners kind of a little overview of the book that you wrote? Um, The book is called uh, Boy with the Bullhorn. It's a history of ACT UP New York, which was the AIDS activist group uh, still going, but uh, when I was involved. And it's also a memoir, sort of an activist education. So it's sort of what I learned from the experience and how it changed me. Can you just talk a little bit about maybe some of the fond memories that you had during that time in your life? The ACT UP experience was the most difficult, the most rewarding, the most intense, the most devastating, um, as one can imagine in the middle of the AIDS crisis. But I think what the book captures and what I tried to get across is sort of the density of the experience and the idea that um, even throughout all of this, I mean, you read AIDS memoirs and they're tough, you know, and honestly, and they should be. But there was also, at least within ACT UP, just this incredible joy and sexiness and fun and camp. And activism has that. You don't have to be an expert to be an activist. You don't have to know the questions. You don't have to know the answers. You just have to show up, really. Mm -hmm. And if you continue to show up, you will learn. You know, why did you get started in that movement? And what, like, got you in the door? And why did you want to be part of ACT UP? I grew up in the the 60s and 70s, really. Jewish kid on Long Island. And so my father fought in World War II. And the idea of the Holocaust was always sort of very present. And you're growing up, you're wondering, oh, how would I have, you know, acted if I was there in, you know, Europe? Would I have, you know, fled? Would I have you know, joined the resistance? Or even just basically in the struggle to survive, would I have behaved nobly? And growing up in the 60s, there's the civil rights movement. There was, you know, would I have been a freedom writer, right? And AIDS was that moment for me. This was six years into the crisis. So there was just this energy. I stumbled basically onto my first meeting. And just to be in that room was astonishing. It was just, there was such passion and such intelligence and such smarts. And, you know, and the guys were cute. I mean, let's be serious. 
but all of that, and it was just like, wow, I, this is, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I need to be a part of. You talk about putting on the performance and I was reading up about you and I do have to ask about the chance because City AIDS care is ineffectual thanks to Cox, the heterosexual. How do you come up with these chants? Okay. Um, <laughs> And also just to scan it, right, is City AIDS cares ineffectual thanks to Koch, the heterosexual. Mm -hmm. So you got to get the rhythm. The rhythm, but, yes. Um, <laughs> very precise on these things. What we were doing was scary. So part of it was just getting the emotion going. And if you did, you know, 50,000 dead from AIDS, where is George, which was George Bush, people connect to it and it creates this power. What do you feel that queer people in the 80s that were protesting, especially during the AIDS epidemic, what do you feel that they brought to like the activism game that you just haven't seen from any other activist group? I think there are, I think what we brought was uh, a media savvy that was really unique. We had a lot of people who were involved in advertising and graphic design and all this, and, and you know, all sorts of other very creative forms. There were always posters, there were always images. We also had an inside outside strategy we learned about the system. We learned how drugs were um, were uh, evaluated at the FDA. We learned how they were tested at the NIH. We learned how the city bureaucracy works. So when we were talking about AIDS housing, we could talk about you have you know these many houses and this is what you're doing and this is what you're not doing and these are what these people need. We studied the issues. I mean, the whole point of the book really is to get this message to younger people, to students, to get and to get this history the history of AIDS activism and AIDS into the canon of, of American history. We will not be written out. That was my co-host David Escobar talking with Ron Goldberg about his new book, Boy with the Bullhorn. Fordham Conversations enlists the help of the Fordham community to discuss issues that impact our world. And that's it from us. But you can check out the What's What weekly wrap-up every Friday for more features exclusively from the WFUV newsroom. Make sure to check out the WFUV What's What daily podcast. It explores current events, culture news, and hot topic issues surrounding the New York metropolitan area. Including features and interviews just like the ones you heard exclusively from WFUV. You can catch new episodes every weekday at 3 p.m., subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, or find out more at WFUVnews.org. I'm Shana Walsh. And I'm David Escobar. <laughs>